0: Hello everyone and uh, welcome to Trinity wherever you may be joining us from. It's great to have you with us and um, you may know we are uh, back sort of uh, in a more earnest way on a Sunday morning in person Um, but we are going to continue obviously recording the sermons for those of us who can't make it uh, or are watching from afar but it's going to be a a trimmed down service as you've probably uh, understood already. Um, Let me read the passage we're looking at and then pray and then we'll have a look together. So this is Mark chapter 7. This is part of our um, series called Good News. We're going through the uh, the, the gospel of Mark, and we've, we've reached chapter 7. So chapter 7, verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, or unclean, that is, unwashed, as it's written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what Declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Let's pray together as we ask God to help us. Father God, we thank you so much that uh, you are a God who speaks. You are a God who speaks uncomfortable truths about ourselves. And I pray for all of us as we listen to these words that your son said that we would Uh, we would receive them in humility and uh, and see the reality that you are laying before us uh, the sinfulness of our hearts and and father also i pray that you would help us to to celebrate and glory in the solution to this problem that you have provided and in your name we pray amen well keep that passage open um question for you as we start why do people bother with religion Okay, why, as humanity, so think about your your colleagues, your family, your friends. Why do people bother with religion? Why do we as why are we as humanity religious? Uh, I, I guess there are lots of reasons, but I, I think we are religion religious for at least this reason: that deep down in our hearts, we are convinced of two things. One, that there is a higher power of some sorts that we should engage with and who controls our eternal destiny, and two, that we are not quite good enough for this higher power, right? We need to do things to prove that we are good enough or or make up. We need to do things to make up for not being good enough. And that's where religion comes in. People will follow a set of rules or rituals to engage with and become good enough for the higher power that we've chosen to worship. Um, And it doesn't have to be you know, a major organized religion. It doesn't have to be the Eightfold Path of Enlightenment or the um, Five Pillars of Islam. It, it can be an arrangement of our own making, our own religion, if you like. We keep to our own standards, and the God we suspect is there will be okay with us. In other words, we don't have to be religious to be religious. Uh, even an atheist has a moral code that he, he chooses to keep. Uh, in short, religion cleans us up so that we can be acceptable to God. Um, it's, it's not a new thing. It wasn't a, a new thing in Jesus' day. It was no different then. Um, I should say that, you know, it's become popular to say that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. And, you know, that, that is wonderfully true and, uh, and so on. But it, sometimes, for me at least, it feels a little pedantic to say Christianity is not a religion, because it is a religion. You know, it's a recognized world religion. Um, but I understand what's, what's being said. Um, so, when we use the word religion this morning, what we're, what we're using it to mean is a system of thinking that says if we do stuff, perform certain disciplines and rituals and so on, if we um, keep a certain set of morals, if we are good people, then the higher power, the God we choose to believe in, will accept us. Now, that kind of thinking is religion, it definitely comes in Christian clothing. Um, But as we'll see, it's the polar opposite of true Christianity. Now, what we're looking at this morning is another encounter between Jesus and the religious elite. There was one in chapter 2 and 3, if you remember, uh, when they took exception to him healing on the Sabbath. And the religious elite, it turns out, thought exactly what we were just saying, that religion cleans you up um, before God. And what Jesus points out to them and to us are, are three problems with religion basically why religion remember how we defined it just now religion doesn't work and what does and I should say that where Jesus gets to in his teaching today is pretty uncomfortable Uh, it's pretty difficult to hear uh, but it's really important to hear Um, in the same way the results of your biopsy are important to hear uh, because only when you get the truth about your condition will you seek the treatment that you need Jesus gives us the truth about our condition and how our our own treatment of that condition is proving ineffective. So, the first problem with religion, Jesus tells us here in in verses 1 to 7, is that religion washes the outside, but not the inside. So, verse 1 look, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem, uh, which was a fair distance, by the way, a couple of days away, gathered around Jesus remember they were already making plans to kill him, and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. Now, because we're not Jewish, we don't know what all the fuss is about. Mark helpfully explains, verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with unclean hands? So, so again, there's a problem with Jesus, right? But again, it's directed at his disciples. Why don't they wash in the correct ceremonial way, according to the tradition of the elders, uh, before eating? Now, these in these COVID times, right, we might agree with them. Yeah, actually, hygiene is pretty important. And, you know, wash for 20 seconds, sanitize. But it's, it's important to see that what's behind their washing, what's behind their washing is not hygiene, but ceremony. Uh, the assumption behind their washing is somehow the external affects the internal. Somehow, what I touch with my hands makes me unacceptable to God, Therefore, if I wash those hands and everything else, those hands touch, pitchers, kettles, and so on, and if I keep the traditions of those people who also wash their hands, then I will be acceptable to God. The external affects the internal. Now, before we uh, are tempted to laugh at the Pharisees for this primitive thinking, we need to take into account two things, don't we? First thing is that the Old Testament does seem to teach this. So much of uh, Exodus and Leviticus in the Old Testament is made up of rules around cleansing and washing so that you could enter into God's presence and worship. Uh, You weren't allowed to go into God's presence if you'd been in contact with dirt, disease, or decay. Um, So if you had mildew in your house, if it was your menstruation cycle, if you had a skin problem, if you touched a dead body, you couldn't go and worship God. You were unclean to Him. Uh, a bit like a doctor has to has to scrub up um, to go into surgery. You know, you don't want a doctor who's like, "Okay, well, I've got the worst off." You know, they give them a, they give you <laughs> their hands a good scrubbing. In the same way, a person in those days would have to scrub up to go into the presence of God to worship Him. Why? If it was just external, if the you know if external was was what the problem was. Well, if it was it was just external. But, but it was teaching them and something and us about something about sin. Um, all these laws were saying sin does the same thing to the soul as dirt, disease, and decay does to the body. Um, dirt, disease, and decay alienates you from people, doesn't it? You can't get close to them, right? So try not washing for a month and see how many people you can get close to. Um, any culture will tell you if you want to get close to people, wash sin does the same um, between us and God. Sin alienates us from God. And these these clean laws that the Jews had to follow were a reminder um, of the problem of sin, an internal problem that the Pharisees here were trying to solve externally by washing. So we shouldn't be so hard on the Pharisees for this kind of thinking that, you know, if we wash the outside we'll be acceptable to God on the inside. That seems to be what the Old Testament teaches. We'll see where they went wrong in a second. But also because, secondly, when it comes to this kind of washing, we, we all do it. Um, we all wash externally to become acceptable to God. Not literally, I don't think. Um, as I said a, a moment ago, we all have a sense of being unclean before God. And um, just to highlight this point, if I said to you, well, look, I have a, a video package of everything you thought, said and done this week. So everything you thought, said and done this week, I've got on video. And I'm thinking of posting it up to YouTube. How would you feel? How would you react to that? Okay, there may be some things on that video package that you would think, oh, that's, that's good. I don't mind people saying that. I gave money at the robots. I made my colleague a cup of tea. But my guess would be that the most of what is on that video, you would not want posted to the Internet. Now if we thought our hearts were clean, we wouldn't have a problem with everyone watching it, would we? We don't want anyone to see it because we have a sense of being unclean. And because we have a sense of, un- of being unclean, we all wash in some way. Um, some people literally, uh, so this is a, a picture of Hindus uh, washing in the River Ganges, so it's a high point of the festival Kumbh Mela, and they're, they're doing what they're doing, washing in the River Ganges, to wash away their sin. But my guess is we don't wash literally, um, but we do, for example, set ourselves a list of morals that if we keep, we stay clean. It offsets the uncleanness. Uh, perhaps we make it to church, that becomes our version of washing. You know, I treated people really badly this week, I was extremely selfish and proud, unclean, but I, I made it to church clean. Uh, or perhaps we don't just make the church; we're, we're involved in church, right? That's, actually, I haven't thought about God this week or spoken to Him, or you know. But I'm on a roster, so I'm I'm clean. Do you see? There are lots of things we do in order to be clean with God, um, and you sitting where you're sitting might be one of them. In fact, we need to know Jesus isn't fooled by this. Uh, he wasn't fooled by the Pharisees. In fact, he had a word that we probably won't like for what they were doing, and it's there in verse 6. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Okay, now keep reading Mark's Gospel, you'll, you'll see that Jesus calls a spade a spade, right? He just says it directly, doesn't care who he's talking to. He says it's hypocrisy. Um, now the word for hypocrisy, you may know, is exactly the same word that they had for actor. So, you know, if you said to say you met Brad Pitt and you say, okay, Brad Pitt, what do you do? Uh, He might say, I'm a hypocrite, right? But if you think about it, that's exactly what hypocrisy is, isn't it? It's play acting, it's pretending to be one thing when actually something else is true. So on screen, this is an actor, on screen they're one thing, off screen they're another. Um, Jesus says the same is true of people who wash themselves on the outside in order to be acceptable to God because the inside is totally different. And he quotes from Isaiah, and, and just as you look at these verses, try and spot the on-screen acting versus the off-screen reality, verse 6. Um, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it's written, these people honour me with their lips, that's, that's on-screen acting, they honour me with their lips, right, they sing the songs, they pray the prayers, they say the right things about me, but the off-screen reality, see, Their hearts are far from me. Actually, they don't love me. They don't give me a second thought the rest of the week. They don't love what I love. Um, They worship me. There's on-screen acting. They make it to church, sing the songs. But the off-screen reality is it's in vain. It does nothing for me or them, says God. They teach about me on-screen acting, but the off-screen reality, it's just rules taught by men. Now I wonder if that's your experience of Christianity. So, I, I think it's probably actually all of ours to some degree. There, there's some on-screen acting, but with an off-screen reality. It's external washing. It's play acting. It's, it's true of all of us, I think, to some degree. But if, if, it's, if it's all your experience of Christianity is, it, it's not Christianity. It's religion. Jesus says it doesn't work, it's in vain, it only washes the outside, and at the end of the day it's play-acting. That's the first problem with religion that Jesus gives us, it only washes the outside, not the inside. Second problem is that religion prefers rules and traditions to the words of God. I I wonder if you noticed what verse 5 didn't say, right? Verse 5 didn't say so the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the word of God, instead of eating their food with unclean hands? See, they didn't say that. The reason they didn't, he, they didn't ask that is because the disciples weren't going against the word of God by not washing uh, a certain way. They, they were only going against the tradition of the elders. You, know, you see, what the teacher of the law had done is this, that the teacher of the law had elaborated On what the Old Testament had said about purity and washing. So, the Old Testament said the priests, um, only the priests had to wash before going into the temple. The teachers of the law said, Well, wouldn't it be safer if we all washed? Um, The Old Testament said the priests only had to wash before going into the tabernacle. The teachers of the law said, Well, wouldn't it be safer if we all washed every time we prayed? Um, And then a vast number of rules and regulations sprang up. They were called the halakha. And they were basically a fence of rules around uh, the laws of God. We spoke a bit about this uh, when we talked about the Sabbath in chapter 3. And, and Mark's desperate, desperate for us to know that these aren't the words of God. They are traditions, which is why he repeats the word so often, right? Tradition, verse 3, traditions. Verse 4, traditions. Verse 5, traditions. Verse 8, verse 9, verse 13, The problem was, of course, that they weren't just traditions to these Jews. They had elevated them to the level of the Word of God. In fact, as verses 8 to 13 show us, they pushed them a little bit higher than the words of God. Verse 8 says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. In other words, when you have a choice between your traditions and the Word of God, you choose your traditions. And verse 9, he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. So they they twist it, distort it, or just ignore it. And and then he gives them an example of, of them doing exactly this, verse 10. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death, that's the words of God. But you say, tradition of the elders, that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. So can you see what's happening? God said, honor your father and mother. In other words, look after them when they're old, provide for them, love them, care for them. The tradition said that anything, everything belonged to God, And if you devoted what you were going to support your parents with to God, then that was fine. In fact, that was to be admired, right? Sounds super spiritual, doesn't it? Uh, Sorry, mum, but, you know, God is our number one priority. I'm sure you understand that. In reality, giving away 40, 50 percent of their income and having nothing nothing left to support their family with was not what God was about at all. It showed that they didn't respect God uh, at all. Honoring your father and mother was, was number five out of God's top ten things that he cares about. So verse 13, thus, in this way, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like this. In other words, I've got plenty more examples if you care to argue about it. So they'd raise the level of their rules and traditions to be higher God's Word. And and I want to say that, you know, that still happens today, actually, sadly. Um, There are certain church denominations who, uh, when it comes to a choice between the Word of God and their traditions and rules and disciplines, uh, their institution even, they have chosen to hold on to their traditions and institution and give them equal authority with the Word of God. I also think it happens with what what what's often called the prosperity gospel right there are a lot of similarities here what what were the Pharisees doing they were setting aside the Bible abusing really their position of authority all in this case to get money for the temple for their ministry Um, that doesn't sound a million miles away does it from preachers who set the Bible aside by taking verses out of context plead for money, encourage people to, to give money, uh, usually for their private jet, leaving uh, people, usually poor people, uh, without enough to support their families. Religion prefers rules and traditions to the words of God. Um, oh, so, you know, everyone's guilty of it except for us. No, not at all. We can be guilty of it just as much, just by paying, uh, not paying much attention to the words of God right not reading them for ourselves rather we just rely on the traditions of our culture perhaps what we learned at home at school and growing up and what we've always heard we rely on what we've always thought about God Jesus Christians uh, without getting close into the Bible uh, we want to pay close attention don't we to the words of God because that's what we believe they are this is God speaking to us it's so important, just, not just to follow the traditions of your culture, of your upbringing, but to really read and look into the Bible yourself. All right, what have we said so far? We've said the reason people bother with religion, in whatever form, is because deep down we think there's a higher power, and deep down we know that we're not good enough. We're not clean. There's a problem. Religion is the way that we solve that problem, the way we clean ourselves up to be acceptable to God. But according to Jesus, the problem with religion is that it only cleans the outside and not the inside. It also prefers rules and traditions over the words of God, which is how you have a relationship with God. Thirdly, though, here Jesus gives us the the real problem with religion. The third thing: religion cannot clean our heart. Religion cannot clean our heart. Jesus now responds to their question. Why do your disciples eat with unclean hands? Uh, verse 14, again Jesus called the crowd to him, this, this is the answer to the question, again Jesus called the, question, the crowd to him and, and said, listen to me, notice, not listen to Moses, not even listen to God, listen to me, everyone, and understand this, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. See, the Pharisees were saying, being unclean is an outside-in thing. Jesus says, no, 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 it's an inside-out thing. And then he gives them a quick biology lesson, verse 17. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. are you so dull? He, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can make you unclean, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of his body? In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Remember those diagrams in your uh, science classroom? You know you've got a sort of fork mouth esophagus um, stomach intestines toilet right <laughs> if, you, if in your exam you'd put fork mouth esophagus heart you would have failed your biology exam I take it Jesus makes the point twice it's not what goes into us that makes us unclean it's what comes out of us and what does come out of us verse 20 what comes out of a person is what makes them unclean. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean, a person unclean. So there's nothing on the outside of us that can make us unclean. It's what's on the inside. It's like Jesus is giving us a, a sort of x-ray picture held up to the light of our hearts, and there are dark blotches on all of our hearts. It shows us how ill we are spiritually. It's a big list, isn't it? And we're probably not guilty of all of these, I guess, but I'd be surprised if we can't find ourselves somewhere on the list. Evil thoughts, it's another word for kind of godless attitudes, just ignoring God, not thinking about Him at all. Sexual immorality, that includes the lust of pornography, of course. Theft, of time, of money, taxes perhaps. Murder, you can either actually do it or just really wish that you could do it. Adultery, whether in practice or in lust. Greed, wanting more and keeping everything you have for yourself. Malice, that's wanting bad things to happen to certain people. Deceit, being flexible with the truth to suit yourself. Lewdness, that's the kind of rough humour. Degrading talk about the God given gift of sex. Uh, envy, that's wanting the house that God hasn't given you, the wife that God hasn't given you. Slander, painting people in the worst possible light to make yourself look better. Arrogance, says, look, I'm not too bad. Having a big view of yourself. Folly, just mistakes that come. Um, it's pretty unpleasant to think about, isn't it, on a Sunday morning. And, and, and actually Jesus' point is not primarily the list, but where the list comes from. It's what lies in our hearts that makes us unclean, he says. And this is why religion doesn't work. Most religions will say, actually, the problem is outside-in, and they say the problem is outside-in, because when the problem is outside-in, it's fixable, that, you know, do a pilgrimage, have a fast, give money, reincarnate upwards if you can, work for a charity. But actually all that washing, which is what it is, doesn't come close to sorting out the problem, does it? Where we go for an hour on a Sunday morning, what we sing there, where we, what we pray, what we do with our money, the way we try and keep various rules and stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't sort out the problem, it doesn't change the state of our hearts. It's like trying to cure heart disease by taking a shower. The problem is inside out. And, and this is such a radical view that no one in the world believes it, right? Um, I was listening to a podcast um, from the BBC the other day, and it was called Teach Me A Lesson. It's where they get a, a teacher on and they sort of discuss a subject that they, <coughs> they want to learn about. And this, the question on this part was, was um, are people born evil? All right, so they had a psychology teacher come on and talk about it, it was really a debate against nurture versus, n- sorry, nature versus nurture, right? How people become evil, because of the environment they're put in and they grow up in and stuff. But they were also talking at one point about, uh, about an evil gene, right? So somehow there's, there's a propensity to commit crime and be evil that is passed down from parent to child. In fact, one criminal successfully had his sentence reduced by arguing that he had had this evil gene passed down to him. We're desperate to say, aren't we, that the problem is outside in. You see it in movies as well. Uh, we don't get proper evil villains these days, do we? We get villains who are really sadly victims, um, difficult childhoods. So um, Harry Potter, Lord Voldemort, right? An orphan, treated badly. The problems outside of him coming in. Um, interestingly, Lord of the Rings, um, Sauron, um, the, the, the kind of, the uh, concept of evil and, and the ring, uh, affecting people is, is kind of held in place a step closer really right? the, the, the ring uh, has potential brings out evil in everyone anyway don't worry about that <laughs> what Jesus is saying here is unpopular but we need to hear it we can't clean ourselves from the outside because the problems on the inside I don't know if you remember a few years ago there was an oil leakage um, from BP uh, in the Gulf of Mexico and there was oil there was mess everywhere that the, the ecological fallout was, was dreadful Um, What did they do first? Do you remember? They didn't start by cleaning up the mess. They started by trying to plug the hole, right, to stop the leak. They attacked the problem at the source. Then they started clearing up the mess. See, when we try and use religion, our own moral code being good, we're trying to clean up the mess without attacking the source. If we want to be clean before God, we need to attack the problem at the source, which is our hearts, right? The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart, it's often said. We need new, clean hearts. Um, The x-ray shows too much damage. We need a transplant. Look at these verses from Ezekiel. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws you will live in the land I gave your forefathers you will be my people and I will be your God I will save you from all your uncleanness so Ezekiel is predicting a day when all our uncleanness will be washed away and it won't be a a temporary thing it'll be a permanent thing God says He won't just wash our hearts, He'll give us new ones, new hearts controlled by His Spirit so that we'll want to follow Him. Uh, just notice those repeated words, you see, I will sprinkle, I will give, I will put, I will serve, I will save, all of those things. There is, this is something God does. We contribute nothing. This happened, so what Ezekiel talking about, happened when Jesus came to earth with a heart that wasn't full of verse 21 things. It was full of kindness, of love, of compassion, sacrifice, goodness. It was a clean heart. And yet when God the Father looked at him on the cross, he was seeing this list in verse 21 in him, our list. He was taking into himself our hearts, our filth, our dirt, and he was giving us his spotless cleanness. Do you remember what happened when Jesus touched the leper? Uh, What should have happened when Jesus touched him? He should have become unclean. Uh, But what did happen? Uh, Instead, the leper became clean. And and that's a good picture of what happened at the cross. See, the moment you turn and trust in, in Jesus, it's almost as if he reaches out and touches you, absorbing all the uncleanness of your heart into himself and sending all the cleanness of his heart into you. That's how God views you. And that means we don't have to wash externally. Because Christ has washed us internally. Um, We don't have to worry about becoming unclean again because Christ has made us perfectly clean. It's the old saying, isn't it? Religion puts a new suit on the man. The gospel, the message of Jesus puts a new man in the suit. I wonder if you get that. I wonder if you are resting completely on Christ and His sacrifice for you or are you still washing are you still putting the suit of religion on every Sunday? Still trying to follow rules, be moral, get yourself clean before God? I heard someone say the other day, you know, he, he, he won't come to church. He's got a few things to sort out in himself before he comes to church. And I want to say, no, that's wrong. Don't think that. It's outside in thinking, isn't it? You need to attack the problem at the center and you can't do that. Only Christ can do that for you. Um, and perhaps you're not sure where you are. You know. Think about these questions. Are you concerned with doing the right thing externally? Are you concerned to be seen to be doing the right thing? Is that a huge concern to you? Uh, do you feel like your experience of Christianity is simply play-acting? It, it's not real. If you're honest, is your heart far from Him? Do you prefer rules and traditions to the words of God? Because then you know if you're right or not. Jesus says religion doesn't work, my death in your place does work. Come to Jesus, turn and trust him, as the old uh, hymn says, lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet, stand in him, in him alone, gloriously complete. Turn to Jesus. For those of us who have, right, for those of us who are Christians, notice it's his disciples again who gets the, get the explanation we have been given new hearts but that new heart if you're anything like me is a is a battleground isn't it i'm, I'm constantly disappointed by, by what i see in my heart i'm often so glad people other people can't see what's in my heart and perhaps you're the same terribly ashamed of the things you think it begs the question doesn't it if i have a new heart why is so much of that list still there Well, three things to think about. We are clean in God's eyes. If we have laid our deadly doing down, if we're trusting completely in Jesus, we are gloriously complete in Christ, completely forgiven. God views us as clean as Jesus. We are clean in God's eyes. Secondly, the Spirit is cleaning us. We are sanctified by the cross. Yes, our hearts are a battleground, but that battleground is cleaning us. Uh, he does that by convincing us that we're forgiven that we're children of God we're loved by him it's those things that motivate us to change the spirit by doing that is scraping away the scar tissue of our hearts the spirit is changing us every day and one day thirdly we'll be completely clean that residual sin will be gone and we will live perfect lives with perfect hearts can you imagine that you won't be able to disappoint yourself. You won't be able to disappoint Jesus. You'll be the best version of you there is. More you then than you are now. Now, when you drill down into those, into those truths, I think we're, we're more able to be open about sin, to acknowledge it more accurately. Uh, for example, when we apologize to someone, uh, I wonder how often the word but comes after the apology. Um, I'm sorry I snapped at you this morning, but... And what comes after the but is usually the mitigating circumstances which unavoidably led you to snapping at that person. Um, Essentially, I'm sorry I did this or that, but it was outside in. Do you see? What would apologising in a Mark 7 kind of way look like? I'm sorry I was late. Uh, I was selfishly valuing my time more than yours. Um, I'm sorry I snapped at you this morning. There was malice in my heart towards you. That's Mark 7 apologizing. And we can do that when when those truths are real to us, right? When we know we are clean, completely clean before God. He views us as clean as Jesus. His spirit is in us working to make us more clean. And uh, we will be one day perfectly clean before Jesus. See, religion only washes the outside, not the inside. Can you see how much better the gospel is than religion? It prefers traditions to God's words. It can't clean your heart. Only Jesus and his death can do that for you. And for the Christian, for those of us who have been cleaned, we stand perfect before God because of Jesus. We are being made clean by the Spirit every day. And one day we will stand before Jesus, perfect in him, and enjoy the new creation forever. Take those truths uh, those truths, into the battleground of your hearts this week. Let's pray. Father God I thank you so much for these truths Lord I thank you that you are a God who speaks and um, you show us uncomfortable truths about ourselves and yet you provide a wonderful solution in Jesus. Jesus the one who was perfectly clean coming and swapping places with us putting your spirit in us to to sanctify us to make us more clean and and one day Father we look forward to being with you in the new creation. Until then, we pray that we would do battle in our hearts to the glory of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.